0: This is an Area Code podcast.
1: Mario makes his way through a castle and then that little mushroom is like, oh, sorry, dude. Thank you. But our princess is in another castle. So could you keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going? I felt like I flashed to that image in my mind anytime I was like, wow, wow. Things are hard right now, things are tough, and it's not just like point A to point B, it's like figuring and figuring and figuring, and then I was just like thinking a lot about Mario's fortitude and his stick and how he, like so many of us, keep going because we must.
2: Welcome to Season 2 of Video Game Feelings. Today on the show, we have Jenny Owen Youngs. I know her best from Buffering the Vampire Slayer. That's a recap podcast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that uh, I'm a pretty big fan of. She's also done Veronica Mars Investigates, more importantly for us and our purposes. She has recently released an EP called It's Dangerous to Go Alone collection of four different songs that are about four different video games. I'm I'm a big fan of this EP. I'm hoping she does more, but it does exactly what we're trying to do here on video game feelings, which is really articulates well, how a video game makes you feel. And I think it, it may be best done in music judging from this EP because it does it quite well. Here is my conversation with Jenny Owen Youngs. Well, I'll start by just geeking out a little bit because. I've listened to a few seasons of Buffering, basically just my, I'm trying to go on track with Buffy. I've never watched it. I think I stopped watching Around the Time, spoiler alert, Angel Dies. And (laughs) (laughs) that felt like a good stopping place in that moment. And then I just haven't gone back. So it's been a while. What if I
1: told you Uh (laughs) that what happens next Uh is very good actually.
2: Nice, I love it. I don't really care about Angel all that much personally, so it wasn't out of frustration that I quit. It was just right,
1: right. It just like felt like an end point. It does feel like yeah, the end of a chapter. So Angel dies at the end of season two, and I think season three is my favorite,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and season two is like up there. I think two and three are like really the show is firing on all cylinders. But if you get the inclination to go back and check out season three, I think you'll have a blast.
2: Nice. Awesome. Yeah. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is is obviously the EP, but it was an excuse too, because (laughs) like a lot of what you're doing is very aligned with the way I think about popular culture and media, which is Mm -hmm. to take a lot of resonance away and to like overanalyze it, not just in general and, and in terms of like reason and logic, but in terms of my life. And The impact it has on it and and that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I just, I I love your approach to Buffy. I love everything you're doing there.
1: Oh my gosh. Thank you. I'm feeling my body
2: telling me that I'm getting a little too wrapped up in this. So I'm
1: going to pull back. (laughs) You're making me feel very cool. I actually just, without my own (laughs) consent, my body just did finger guns, which I guess is what I do when I feel cool. Yeah, um, that's funny. But I I was so pumped when when I learned about your podcast and saw like the the vibe because like this has been you know such such a big part of my creative process working on buffering for the last six years and writing yeah. a song for every episode of Buffy and also yes. just like discussing every episode in minute detail and and thinking about everyone's emotional inner workings everyone in the world and then also in the writer's room and you know what I mean like there's just like so much that goes into making 45 minutes of television so many people and so many feelings and I I feel like video games make me feel the same way there's Mm -hmm. so much to dig into
2: and that complicated thing of liking something that is a little bit or a lot flawed right of really appreciating sure When the Joss Whedon stuff went down, I think I listened to, like, something y'all released around the time and was just generally impressed. I really like the idea of, like, we critique what we love. We are straightforward about the way we feel, Mm. about what's wrong and right. Like, that sort of thing, I think, is really... Reminded me also of, like, Feminist Frequency. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Anita Sarkeesian is the person Mm. who started that. And she basically released a YouTube series back in the Camergate days, unfortunately. called tropes versus women in video games.
0: And mm. it's just about
2: like, the first one is called damsel in distress, which sure. and it just talks about like the different ways that video games kind of failed at oh, representing yeah. women that was back in 2013. And so your approach to Buffy and honestly, like I think probably a lot of things like reminds me of that, which really uh. clued me. in. I think we, we critique what we love and that is important you know? Sure,
1: sure. And not even thinking about the creator side, I mean, starting from season one of a show that started in 1997, uh-huh. even <laughs> yeah. a show that a part of its mission statement is feminist centric, you know, yeah. it's not 1997 anymore. It's uh-huh. not even 2021 anymore. Like <laughs> right. the whole purpose, right, of us as beings is to evolve, to move mm-hmm. forward. There's always going to be something to talk about, but you don't have to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Right. In fact, you definitely shouldn't. Save the baby. Talk uh-huh. to yeah. the bathwater. <laughs> Just acknowledge that the bathwater is now dirty.
2: Exactly. Yeah, um, someday in, in 2043, someone will make a podcast called Buffering, Buffering, the vamp, buffering, 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 buffering. Oh, I lost no. it. Anyway, Buffering, Buffering. And that will be yeah. great. It will be a, a demonstration of love and support. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you made an EP of about video games that is different than what you normally do. Your audience maybe isn't used to you even talking about video games. You have a few podcasts and most of them I think are about TV and maybe movies a little bit. So how did your, your audience react to you releasing like uh, something
1: about video games? I think that like, because I am sort of... I have, like, situated myself in this point where where I'm adjacent to nerdy cult TV. Yeah. And I think, like, a lot of my music up till now, you know, I will reference a Greek myth here, the Jonestown Massacre there. I'm not... I'm not not <laughs> in the general swamp that could include video game stuff and I think I I gravitate towards science fiction and fantasy and for the last four years I've been gaming again I had like a Nintendo and a Super Nintendo as a kid and then didn't really mess with games until about four years ago when my Uh my wife Jess got me into Skyrim which was a very slippery slope and I think Uh (laughs) You know, I've talked enough about Skyrim and I think I am maybe known by the people who pay attention to what I'm up to to be like, you know, a dragon enthusiast and into like dinosaur, you know, like it's all in the zone. And then like visiting those worlds, you know, Hyrule and Skyrim and wherever pac-man is at the maze the maze exactly i mean oh my god so dark maybe the clearest metaphor actually for modern (laughs) life as we know it out of the four games that i wrote songs about Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and then trying to like thread out some of the emotional elements from those games that feel intuitive to me i think created what might be like the most ideal songs for the people who were already listening to my music you know
2: yeah yeah i want to revisit this because we do have to do the first question and then we'll get oh, yeah. there but i think what strikes me about that ep is the the degree to which it it is mainstream right like these are games everyone has heard of <laughs> skyrim may be accepted but i think at this point most people have heard of or played skyrim to some extent so let's get there but it, what yeah. have you played recently and how oh. has that game made you feel
1: oh my gosh I don't know if this is appropriate in gaming culture, but I'm kind of in the middle at like various middle points of a few different open world games. I'm like yeah. deep in The Witcher Three. I'm some like midpoint or like first third point. I guess everything is open ended, but mm-hmm. uh, in in uh, Fallout Four, and then to celebrate the release of the EP. I've been playing a, a new Skyrim campaign and streaming it some of the time. Uh-huh. And that's the I think Skyrim is the, the place I've spent the most time in the last couple of weeks. And it's been like a real joy to revisit it because the reasons that I got so into it in the first place mm-hmm. uh, were that like, oh, my God, dragons. Oh, my God. Medieval Scandinavia, like the running through attracted the woods. You to that game. The theme, the visuals, the Aurora Borealis, freaking like an enormous moon, the Chosen One narrative, like all of that stuff really, really feels like tailor made to attract me. And then you get in the game and it feels like productive to play Skyrim, even though that is so far removed from reality. I think at the time that I started playing it, and this is true till now, when I have like overworked brain and my brain will not shut up, Skyrim is one of the few things that just makes everything chill out. And then I'm like, all I have to do is delve into this dungeon yeah. And oh my God, now I have enough gold to buy a house. Like the, the accumulation of gold in Skyrim <laughs> does something to a very particular part of my brain that makes me feel like, ah, I'm living life. I'm su- succeeding. Uh-huh. I have control uh-huh. over this
2: world. Yeah, I'm capable you know? of, of pulling something off. Yeah. Exactly,
1: exactly. Yeah.
2: Like lately, I think I, I've been playing games to feel accomplishment. Which is related, but not exactly the same because I like it's maybe in the last week I've actually had anxious all over the place brain. But before that, I was just stalled. I was like, was mm. like my, sometimes my work is extremely busy and very anxiety ridden. And other times my work is depressive <laughs> because nothing is happening and I don't know how to make anything happen. And it feels like it's fated to doom, right? Like, and disaster. And so like what video games, they, they kind of answer both of those problems in ways. Like you just articulated the first one, but the second one, I think I, I often go to video games just to feel like y- you can do something. You just, you just do this. <laughs> Good job. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Experiencing writer's block. What if you go kill the bandit leader at yep. Redoran's retreat? Right. have you considered doing that? <laughs>
2: Exactly. T- tell me about your earliest experience playing video games.
1: The first game that I can remember playing is Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of why it's in this election that it's sort of designed to be like songs, like starting point to ending point at that time in terms of what I had played.
2: So... You- You chose those songs as a starting to ending point from what?
1: Just, like, the first video game I could remember playing to the game Uh that I was playing when, you know, the EP was happening. Like, when I was creating the EP. Yes. So, like, from Pac-Man through Breath of the Wild, chronologically, Uh for me. Got it. And um, Pac-Man is a game that, um, really, when I think of it, I think of my mom i think of my family i think of going to like a pizza place for like friday night pizza and there being Uh a pac-man arcade game in the corner and like we'd just be pumping quarters into that waiting for the pizza to get done yeah i feel like the idea of playing pac-man now just stresses me out really
2: (laughs) do you hate that game like you don't play it
1: i don't Hate it, but Mm -hmm. playing it doesn't come up. It's no longer like everywhere (laughs) the way that it once was. I'll take a swing or two if I like happen to be at like a a kitschy bar where the tables are the sort of like consoles that you sit at and there will be Pac Man under glass or whatever. Yeah. But It's not where I go to relax anymore, you know?
2: (laughs) I did play it recently because it came out. I have an Xbox and Game Pass, and so I play Mm. literally every game that comes out on Game Pass. I'll just try it Mm. real
0: quick.
2: And that game really holds up. It is, like, by definition, if a stressful game exists, that is one of them for sure. And I, I can see why that is. But it does make me think about, like, why we like Those games, like, why do we want to emulate stress in video games? Have you thought about that at all? Do you play things that are stressful?
1: I feel like the truest answer is no. It's like Mm -hmm. I I suppose Skyrim would be stressful to some people, but sure. To me, it feels very right, and that's not
2: why you're playing. You're not playing for like the challenge or
1: something. Exactly. I haven't thought about it before, but I'm thinking about it now, and. I mean, yeah, is it, like, the product of what kind of, like, game mechanics were possible at the Mm -hmm. beginning of broadly commercial gaming? You want it to be challenging. If people are gaming not at home, you want them to, like, continue putting quarters in the machine, obviously. Right. I guess it's sort of like, it's a little bit of an adrenaline rush, isn't it? Yeah, true. When the ghosts are close, you're like, ah!
2: Especially when you're close to some goal that you're working towards and you may or yeah. may not make it. Yeah, that's a really good point.
1: I think I want to skip to
2: this question. It's, it's theoretically for later, but I, I kind of want to ask you, like, why <laughs> did you choose the games you did for this EP? I mean, you talked about the chronology there. Yeah, but- yeah. But I'm assuming you've played more than four games. so Sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if not, get off this podcast. Just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would be fair. I would deserve that. <laughs> no, no,
2: no. This is a very like uh, open and accessible podcast <laughs> to people who just are whatever about games. What I tell people is this is more about feelings than it is video games, I hope. Nice. Um, so, yeah,
1: why why those four games? Well, I think the first game the first song was Mm -hmm. another castle and that came about and kind of like prompted the concept of the EP. Um, And basically the deal was that I was just going through some like pretty heavy duty life changes. I was in the middle of separating from my, my wife and getting divorced. And there were some like career things that were changing. And obviously my, my ex-wife and I may continue to make a podcast together. Right. So it was like right. a very like intense time yeah. of like renegotiating that relationship and understanding, like figuring out how we could continue to make the thing that we love together while changing our personal relationship to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just like a, like a wild time of upheaval and, and restructuring and uncertainty and I kept getting this image in my mind of the sort of like end level card of, from Super Mario Brothers 1 where <laughs> Mario makes his way through a castle and then that little mushroom is like, oh, sorry, dude. Thank you. But our princess is in another castle. So could <laughs> you keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going? Yeah. And I felt like I flashed to that image in my mind anytime I was like, wow things are hard right now mm. things are tough and it's not just like point a to point b it's like figuring and figuring and figuring and then i was just like thinking a lot about mario's fortitude and his stick right and right. how he like so many of us keep going because we must
2: that is like so interesting because i think um i think a lot about mario <laughs> I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people think about Mario and project things onto him and and mm. mythologize him a little bit. I've I've done this a lot with just character mascots in general, right? Those character mascots back in the nineties and like I I used to think about those a lot and I think one of the things that's interesting is how some of these video games that have stood the test of time don't really offer up much to us, they leave, but they resonate anyway, you know? And you got to mm-hmm. imagine, like, if I had to bet, I would bet that they said, like, how does it make sense that he gets to a castle and then, the like, the game doesn't end? We need something that tells them to keep going. It was like a gameplay fix, you know? It's very unlikely that it was meant to be this big resonant thing, and yet it becomes... this resonant thing.
1: Yeah. I think like a piece of art, I think is made up, uh, more than 50% of the person looking at it or listening to it or playing it, you know? And a
2: lot of it. yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Like we are as partakers invited to see ourselves, find ourselves, in the picture. And, and I think that's why we all love all of the, the things so much. Cause we, you don't need to be a plumber from Brooklyn to catch a vibe from Mario. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
2: yeah. yeah. I love the idea that Mario's from Brooklyn. Is that a thing?
1: I know he's uh, it's- Italian in
2: theory, but like,
1: in my mind, it's canonical, but did I just get that from the John Leguizamo movie? Who knows?
2: Oh, right. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah.
1: I And that
2: made, so I was listening to your EP and I was thinking your music, you know, music, the lyrically it's, it's poetry, right? Like that's what music is. It's like poetry mm, plus mm. music, I guess. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. No, that sounds right. good to me. <laughs> Part of me is, like, are the best games poetry versus, like, narrative versus, like, television script narrative? Because a lot of what Mm -hmm. you're writing about, like, the the four you chose, I think, in a lot of ways, like, stand the test of time because of their resonance in a lot of ways. I mean, they're fun, but what makes a game fun? I I do think it has to resonate to some extent. And, like, it feels like a lot of those games, like, feel... Storyline-wise, like poetry in the sense that they let you project or add, fill in the blanks a little bit, which has more to do with music or like like lyrical music than it does like trying to recreate a movie in a video game, sort of Bioshock style.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Like, what's the balance? How do you have like just enough narrative? It's kind of uh-huh. like, if you think about Skyrim, because Skyrim was like, to me, the hardest song to the hardest song to figure out what's the heartbeat here because i think the game is sort of like deliberately unemotional like Mm -hmm. they're going out of their way to leave part of the slate blank for you you know build your character make it look exactly how you want to look do you want to fight with magic or do you want to fight with two-handed weapons do you want to join the thieves guild or be a companion there are all these things that you can select from or or kind of like Custom build to make it your own, but because of that open-endedness, I feel like there is a little bit of an emotionlessness. Even when you get married in the game, it feels a little like, "Hmm, <laughs> that happened," but
2: <laughs> this the- has about as much meaning as you want it to have in this. Exactly, moment. it's like yeah. whatever
1: you want. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. I ended up writing that song with my wife, Jess, and our friend, John Mark Nelson, who I collaborate with all the time. And Jess kind of found the touchstone. She was like, well, it is this way, deliberately. because And everybody starts the game thinking, like, I'm going to be a hero, and I'm mm-hmm. certainly not going to steal. That would be wrong, and whatever. <laughs> and then by the end of the game, everyone has a 99-level sneak and is in the dark brotherhood and just like getting up to no good all over the place because it's fun so we kind of found our way in through thinking about like the chosen one narrative right we always see it as the chosen one is the hero you know think about buffy or harry potter or whomever right we are used to rooting for the chosen one but in skyrim the chosen one can be whatever you want so there's this gray morality which doesn't feel like the morality of super mario brothers or legend of zelda could be gray those are hero quests
2: yeah you know yes and it feels like the degree to which a story works even with the two things you called out harry potter and buffy both of those really acknowledge the other edge of the sword there Mm -hmm. which is if you're the chosen one you're all alone you're all by yourself And this is why Skyrim's my least favorite video game that you cover in your EP, but it is by far my favorite song because it hits home in a way. Not that I think I'm a chosen one or something, but sometimes I just don't like doing things by myself and it can feel like a little, Mm -hmm. very lonely thing. Ironically, it made me feel less alone in the sense that both in that sense, in the sense that it articulated a feeling I was having and sort of named it for me. But also the album itself or the EP itself like makes emotion out of game mechanics, which is something a lot of times when people talk about video games, even when you were talking about Mario there, you were talking about his fortitude and his his, like that's left to right walking is what that is. Like Mario just keeps (laughs) going from left to right. Sometimes, Never. Man,
1: that's hard.
2: <laughs> right. Sometimes he's forced to. Just fate says, you're going <laughs> to the right. And other times he scrolls. Yeah, exactly. And then other times he chooses. But like, it feels like the mechanics are very much a part of what you're writing about and that made Mm -hmm. me feel weirdly like I had found my people in a way because like I think a lot about the mechanics and what they mean to me and how they make me feel
0: Mm -hmm. part of the
2: process of making this podcast has been sort of grappling with does anyone else care about that I mean I know the answer to that obviously like first of all I know that a ton of developers care I know that for a fact but I do wonder about game audiences sometimes because there's a lot of emphasis put on style or narrative when it comes to how games impact us. And I think that's because we don't know how to talk about our feelings in this regard, right? Mm. So I appreciate the album because it finds a way to talk about them. And, and maybe the way to do that is, is through music
1: four down uh count (laughs) literally countless
2: to Uh go yeah yeah take them one at a time yeah does that come naturally to you to you to like to to think about how the the mechanics themselves are causing you to feel
1: i think until i started writing songs yeah i was purely a the ideal consumer just like ah i'm submerged in a tank and it is Mario-flavored and uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I feel like I, I really didn't start thinking about how is this made? How does it fit together? And like, what's it doing to my brain uh, via those things? Mm-hmm. Until the question became like, okay, how do we pull a song out of this? And then there's the broader consideration or imagining what like, might have been going on in a given writer's room like who's back there and what was going on for them yeah. and what do they, how do they feel about what they have brought
2: what would you say was the reason you were playing video games in the early days back when you were a kid when you were playing pac-man stuff like that like what was the reason what did you get from video games back then
1: i think just like very simply fun yeah Yeah. It's sort of like looking back, because obviously like media is, and entertainment are so different now. But like looking back, it's like kind of a TV show and a book and a board game and like a sport all in one thing. There's like hand-eye coordination and a narrative and like adventure, excitement. Yeah, so it was the an combination
2: answer. of like a narrative and the and the challenge that sort of attracted you to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, updating that, just like considering my child self, probably more excitement than narrative, okay. or like. The thrill of characters I was already invested in, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, for example.
2: (laughs) Right. Kids will just go to a thing, they'll say, I recognize that, so I love it.
1: Yes, exactly. That's a thing
2: I've noticed. Yeah. (laughs) What what do you play games for now? Or is it just that thing you're talking about from Skyrim?
1: I think... They're relaxing because there is that like weird in-game like productivity the serotonin thing, checking off uh,
2: list thing. Yeah. Yes.
1: Ah, yes. 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 But then there's also just sort of like getting lost in yeah. a different world where the stakes are not what they are in this one.
2: You yeah. I mean the games that you mentioned that you're playing are all open world games, which you alluded to somehow. That's like not. Legit. I mean, every way of playing games is legit. To be clear, but like, <laughs> I I think that's pretty hardcore to be in the middle of three different open world games all at once.
1: I was just thinking, oh right, I'm also in the midst of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I forgot. Yes, there's, I there's love that game. So much going on. Uh-huh, but I uh-huh. I was wondering if people are like, I'm playing this game until yeah. I'm done playing it, or if like if there's something that feels like watered down or something about me like game hopping.
2: So I talk about this a lot on the podcast but i'm kind of a tourist when it comes to video games i finish almost hmm. nothing if i finish a game it's because it's really special and did something to hold my interest i was talking to a, a game developer last season his name is Xavier nelson and he was talking about it in terms of he will play a game until he has figured out what it has to say to him which i thought was an interesting way of framing it and so he doesn't finish games either but I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. And it it depends on, like, what we're trying to get out of it, right? And it sounds like what yeah. you're trying to get out of it is a is sort of like a lot of what your games have in common, really what the open world genre has in common, but these games in particular really thrive at, like, creating a place that feels real and immersive that you can get lost yeah. in.
1: Yeah. And – I like what you said about only finishing a game if it's special. (laughs) I on the Uh, opposite uh, side of that coin refuse to mm. finish breath of the wild because it's so Mm -hmm. special. I just like simply don't want it to be over. I'm like, you can wait. I will just ride this horse around for a while. You know,
2: that's so interesting. I never even thought about that. I will get like really hyper-focused on a game until it's over, but that's an interesting approach.
1: And then John, John Mark Nelson, who I mentioned earlier, who I worked on Dragonborn and the Breath of the Wild song Lost with is a huge Breath of the Wild player. And his thing is that he plays until it starts to feel easy. And then he's like, no, I got to go back. I got to start over again to where I'm only like (laughs) fighting with like a stick that breaks after I hit somebody three times with it or whatever.
2: That is not me. Has he played Elden (laughs) Ring? No. No. (laughs) He would love that game,
1: because that's, I, I a, that's think, a tough one. I think the impression that I've gotten from Elden Ring is probably that it's too violent for him. I think oh, interesting. Breath of the yeah. Wild is ideal for him, because like, when you kill a monster, it just turns into a fang. Or if you just, kill an animal, it yeah. turns into a steak. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than there being like blood spattering everywhere and decapitation and whatnot.
2: Sure, that makes sense. Um, but I'm
1: interested in Elden Ring, but I've also been made very afraid of it by everyone
2: right what is it about place that that draws you in do you think what is it that makes you want to be in a different place and i'm i'm sort of assuming here the answer isn't i hate the place where i am that's a little funny funny. because
1: my brain my brain immediately went to well when i started playing skyrim i lived in los angeles
2: (laughs) okay yeah that would do it that would do it for me anyway
1: but also i mean it's like the same kind of thing about like i'm really thinking about skyrim here like why is a fantasy book enchanting what is it about watching game of thrones that's just like wow i'm transported i mean being transported is fun and exciting like a game like skyrim sort of like gives you a chance to feel like someone else and i think life is hard and sometimes it's nice to feel like someone else yeah who's uh who's the consequences of their actions (laughs) are just have a different weight and like, if you want to just run up this snowy mountain and try to kill a bear, you can do that without yeah. leaving your couch, you know? Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. I I would be remiss if I didn't talk to you a little bit about, I guess, tropes versus women in video games. I mean, you talk oh, a yeah. lot about the patriarchy and buffering, mm-hmm. and I, I'm curious about your perception of of that sort of growing up, if it impacted you in any way? I mean, I do think like video games were not a hospitable place for women in a lot of different ways from my perspective. And, and I'm curious if that's your perspective and like uh, how that affected A, you in general, but also your approach and your thoughts about video games.
1: Well, I think to some degree there's like, obviously I grew up in a time where Mortal Kombat 3, 3- and Street Fighter Two were the most exciting thing happening at the arcade yeah. or the bowling alley or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. obviously it's like, oh, there's like, oh, Chun Li and then eighteen dudes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Chun Li has a very specific look, if you recall, yeah. as women in video games, especially from that era, I think tended to. Right. But something that I have thought a lot about recently, and was thinking a lot about, like while in particular working on the Breath of the Wild song, is that like my relationship to Legend of Zelda as a kid was actually not so concerned with female representation necessarily, but it felt like my relationship to Legend of Zelda felt very queer. Like, mm. when I was a kid, after school, there would be like a Mario cartoon Monday through Thursday, and then Friday was it was on. Dude, it was Legend <laughs> of Zelda day. And I would like race home on Fridays and look at Link and be like, I could be that you know he has like long hair and a tunic and he's like quite androgynous Uh and uh he's unquestionably devoted to a beautiful woman I think a lot about that now I I often describe Link as like my first lesbian crush because (laughs) in my mind it was like kind of gray you know
2: yeah yeah that's so interesting. That's was... not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to go in the <laughs> Zelda direction, right? Like,
1: right. Of course, yes. No, we famously Zelda is, of course, like a babe or whatever. We know. We know right. this. But, but for me, there really wasn't very much androgyny to be found in popular culture. Sure. Anywhere, and I, I yep. feel like Link was kind of like, at least in my mind, an interesting exception. Not that I was like aware of this at the time. I was just mm-hmm. like. Link's so cool.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I wish I had a tunic.
0: That's,
2: yeah, that's so interesting. And it, that sort of comes through on their album, too. Like, I fully expected a different perspective to come through with those first two songs: The Another Castle, the one that's about Mario, and the one that's about Zelda. I, I think I, I expected something from the perspective of the princesses you know? And that obviously that's a pretty obvious choice in retrospect. It probably makes sense that you didn't choose that, but it felt, it feels like that's a natural thing for you not to do as well.
1: Right. I mean, since we've been talking about this, I've been going through games from my childhood and my Mm -hmm. adolescence and thinking like, yeah, why, why haven't I given this more critical thought. Obviously, I was aware of the protagonist of a game is usually a dude, and if it's like a multi-fighter, choose-your-fighter game, there's one or two girls and whatever. But the real deal is that, like, I didn't identify with any of those female characters when I was playing those games. I would never play as Chun-Li. I would play as Vega, the most androgynous (laughs) Street Fighter II character. (laughs) Yeah. Even when I play Skyrim or, like, other open-world games where you build your character, I always play as a dude because that feels not, not like, better, but just, like, more correct. Like, I feel like I'll get closer to uh, feeling like the character than female character builds and, like, female armor and whatever in Skyrim would allow.
2: Yeah. There's something interesting about the way video games made a huge assumption about who we wanted to play as at some point, And it really just became one character. And it was kind of like the extreme of that is maybe like the doom guy or Duke Nukem. Um, but like mm-hmm. growing up, it wasn't so much androgyny that I was attracted to or interested in playing as it was, um, the underdog. And so I always chose mm-hmm. Luigi over mario every time <laughs> and i think a lot about luigi's plight in general and then
0: weirdly oh, this
2: is a weird one but i i had a turbo 16 and i uh was in love with bonk's adventure and the only reason i was in love with that character was because he was the least known character mascot at the time it was the no, one i'm like
1: yeah Google no Adventure is. on the side.
2: <laughs> no one knows who Bonk is. No one will ever know who Bonk is because he's a first party turbografx 16 video game oh,
1: character. Oh no, I recognize this little dude. <laughs> like, For the listener at home, if you're uninitiated, Bonk is a bald little dude in a little sort of leopard print caveman onesie
2: yeah he's a caveman with a giant head that he had butts things with that's his nice. that's his hook and he eats giant slabs of meat <laughs> giant chunks <Yes>. of meat <laughs> and then turns into Superbunk or whatever anyway, his plight is really sad because no one played his games, no one cared about him. Uh-huh. no one knows who he is today and i I related to that like even on the meta level as a kid, I gravitated towards those kinds of things
1: i um, Love that. Also, like, from what we were talking about earlier, you are, are uh, identifying Luigi as the underdog, even <laughs> though Luigi is like, I don't care. I'm just the other guy. Sure, my yeah. name's not on the marquee, but I am taller does that, and I seem to be even more cheery, you know? That's a <laughs> like- really
2: good point. He is likely very happy with his place in life. He, he prefers not to be the chosen one, likely.
1: Right, yeah, being the chosen yeah. one comes with a lot of baggage, but because mm-hmm. all of these stories require our p- participation yep. to truly be successful, like you are projecting onto him, like that he is the underdog and that he he would appreciate if you would play as Luigi instead, like really stick it to Mario. I love yeah, that.
2: no one no one seems to understand Luigi can jump higher, and he doesn't get cr- enough credit for that. At least in yeah, one yeah, and game, I feel I like
1: think. his legs. <laughs> Do a fun little windmill thing when he jumps in at least one game if I'm not making that
2: up. That's right. All right. Well, the last thing we we always do on this show is is something called the feelings wheel. And the feelings wheel is basically a wheel full of 82 different emotions and they branch out from the middle. And so what we're going to do is spin this thing. And when we land on that, I'm going to ask you to tell me about a game that or a moment from a game that made you feel this way Mm. no the the feeling is horrified
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh great okay oh man well since i'm in in the middle of fallout 4 every time i encounter a super mutant Mm -hmm. um if you're familiar uh uh, and they're and they're like suspended netted bags of various meats right yeah the world of
2: fallout 4 is particularly dark yeah yeah
1: yeah, it's not it's not pretty and i i live like an hour from boston and very (laughs) close to a naval shipyard where i'm sure there's Mm -hmm. like some nuclear stuff going on so it's not lost on me that at any moment i could be you know either very dead or navigating the commonwealth and trying to avoid some super mutants but man those things are so intense and disturbing
2: I'm a little sad that you started playing video games around the time Fallout 4 made sense to play because (laughs) I started playing Fallout 3 like when that first came out, and it changed my life. Like I had gone through a divorce recently or was going through a separation and lost myself in that game completely. I don't think it's reading too much into it to say it felt like the devastation I was feeling was mapped onto this game in a way that... (laughs) that resonated in, in, in such thoughtful a substantial of developers. way. <laughs> they did this on purpose. They said, Richard <laughs> is having a hard a time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, it had no solutions for me. It was just like, yeah, yeah, stuff sucks. And it was a place to go there. <laughs> I Yeah, I'm curious what caused you to play Fallout 4. Like, what attracted you to that game?
1: Uh, because I have been working on a little science fiction project way off to the side for a little while. My beautiful wife, who got me into Skyrim to begin with, got me Fallout 4 for Christmas because, she, you know, it's like very similar gameplay, and she knew how much I love Skyrim, and and she was also like, this feels relevant to like the project you're working on right now, you know, sure. like for vibes. So that is why. It's like definitely darker and gunnier than I would
2: <laughs> gunnier, prefer. Yeah. yeah.
1: But, but it, it is feeling fun. I've, I've recently started to be able to do more complicated science and like <laughs> building things is starting to make sense a little bit more. So it, it's, it's, it's yeah. getting there. It's not beautiful like Skyrim. It's kind of the opposite.